Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's now time to enter the Sports Zone with your host, Bob Kemp. season. Back up to the two now for second and goal. Borgay looking left all the way. Got his man. Touchdown Arizona State's Elijah Badger puts ASU back on the high side. And he waves at that one, the curveball. And Zach Gallen threw six with 11 strikeouts, but Mitch Garver gets the Rangers on the board. A solo homer is 10th. Bottom six coming up. It's five. One diamond bank. It's always down, down, down. This is lifted to deep center. Alec Thomas on the run. Alec on the move. What a catch, Alec Thomas. Oh, wow. Big smile from Paul Seawald as Simeon hit that to the deepest part of the ballpark, but not deep enough to get away from Alec Thomas. My goodness, what an effort. And what a catch year for Petsing in the NFL. Spent the last three with the Browns. Cardinals from their 11-yard line. McCoy throwing it downfield and it's pulled in. And a first down for Hollywood Brown. Plays are getting in. There are penalties on both sides tonight. Team trouble here, but it's a screen to Dean Mercado. And he's got a first down before he's shoved out of bounds at the 36-yard line. Mayfield, close one for the end zone, and the pick for his feet in. Trey Potter, that's a Buccaneer touchdown. Wander has scored twice and driven in a run. He's one for three. Bolton's 0-2 pitch. Swinging a high fly ball, belted deep to right center. Headed toward the Ray Tank. Gone. He just answered with his bat, too. That's a sixth homer. Two for the Rays tonight at 7-1. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Wednesday, August 23rd edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlux HD2 100.7, the Bills over under 10.5 wins in 2023. ASU football, rank your level of interest in 2023. The Diamondbacks, should Zach Gallon be the NL Cy Young frontrunner? The Cardinals, do they have a better chance to win in week one with Clayton Toon at quarterback? Meanwhile, the Buccaneers, are they the worst team in the NFC South? The Rays, are they in danger of not reaching the postseason? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative uh, sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we have the introduction of today's pipeline. 9.15, our week-long preview of the AFC East continues today with the Buffalo Bills. Matt Perino will join us from nyup.com. 9.30, it'll be interactive action at 602-260-1060 and also the local roundup. 
including a Tuesday night uh, analysis, Tuesday night analysis from the Diamondbacks and Rangers game. Final segment of the Sports Zone will be the National Roundup. That'll be a top by, uh, from the MLB scoreboard. Then after the Sports Zone, it'll be the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. That, of course, from 10 to noon. More phone call time. And uh, we'll have a little overview of Hard Knocks Week 3 last night with the New York Jets. All right, on to the pipeline we go. Time for today's pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is the Buffalo Bills over under 10 and a half wins in 2023. Kayla is here and has the early returns. 100% of the vote is on the underside of things. That's at KDUS1060.com. Well, not exactly a split vote there. Uh, the Bills have won the AFC East the last three seasons, but they have not been able to reach the Super Bowl. Twice they were eliminated at Kansas City, and last season they lost at home to Cincinnati. Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll question, uh, rank your level of interest in the 2023 Arizona State football team. We're going with the old Forest Service thing here, high, moderate, or low. And Kayla, what do we have here? We have a tie between high and low at 37.5% of the vote, and then moderate in the middle there at 25%. This is on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. First-year head coach Kenny Dillingham has reportedly decided that heralded transfer Jaden Rashada uh, will start the season opener. That's on September the 30th against Southern Utah. Rashada, a four-star quarterback, originally was part of the 2023 recruiting class at the University of Florida before he opted to leave after his NIL deal fell apart. Also on the local front, the Diamondbacks have won four consecutive series. Zach Allen was dominant against one of baseball's best lineups, and Alec Thomas helped save the game with a great ninth-inning catch. Uh, should Zach Allen be the NL Cy Young Award frontrunner? Meanwhile, uh, from the uh, non-news file, it's not news that first-year Cardinals coach Jonathan Gannon is refusing to name Colt McCoy the Week 1 starter at Washington. McCoy will be the Week 1 starter unless he's injured this week at Minnesota. Does anyone actually think that Clayton Toome gives the Cardinals a better chance to, weaken, uh, to win Excuse me, at Week 1 at Washington? Washington, a top-five defense in 2022, by the way. And maybe even better this season. Personnel-wise, they look like they're better this season. Spanning the globe, there was a starting quarterback uh, announcement on Thursday in the NFL. Buccaneers head coach Todd Bowles, former Cardinals defense coordinator, uh, said that Baker Mayfield and his uh, 69 NFL career starts will start ahead of Kyle Trask, who has zero NFL starts in his young career. Will the Buccaneers be the last place team? Will they finish last in the NFC South? No matter who the quarterback is. Meanwhile, the Rays' second half decline continued. Uh, starting uh, shortstop Wander Franco, obviously the best shortstop in the American League, uh, was placed on the administrative leave list under the Major, Major League Baseball policy, uh, the joint policy on domestic violence, sexual assault, and child abuse. Uh, that was that happened officially yesterday. Speculation is that Franco will not play the rest of the season, even though that's not official yet. 
or official, I probably shouldn't say the word yet, official. My question is, will the Rays, remember that incredible start, 13-0 and to start the season, and they were cruising along, will they even reach the postseason at this point? Right now they're in, but the lead is shrinking as far as the wild card goes. Also, in addition to all those outstanding questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? All right, it's the Pipeline for today with all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else in your mind falls into the general discussion categories, whether it is from the Pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060. Or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That'll be followed by day two of our week-long AFC East previews. Today, the Buffalo Bills. Matt Perino scheduled to join us from nyup.com. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, it'll be phone call time, 602-260-1060. General discussion. Also in that bottom of the hour segment, it'll be the local roundup. Top by Diamondbacks and Rangers Tuesday night analysis. And then, of course, we'll wrap it up uh, with the National Roundup in the final segment of this hour. That'll include some Major League Baseball from last night. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. Download the KTUS AM 1060 skill and enable. Then say, Alexa, open KTUS AM 1060. This is where I start my day. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KTUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. Your home of the Dan Patrick Show, live Monday through Friday. From 6 to 9 a.m. Little George Harrison, what is life action here? The Buffalo Bills have won the AFC East three consecutive seasons, but uh, they have not been able to parlay that into postseason success. Uh, Trying to track down our uh, frequent guest over the years, Matt Perino from uh, now nyup.com. So we'll try to catch up with him here in a couple of minutes. In the meantime, I'll just kind of, oh, we have Matt. Uh, thank you very much. On to Matt. And uh, Matt, let's start with uh, last season, the Bills eliminating the postseason at home by the Bengals. There was a lot going on at the end of last season, injuries and obviously uh, the DeMar Hamlin situation. Were the Bills just kind of mentally spent by the end of last season, or was there more to it than that? I mean, whenever you get beat that way in your own building in the playoffs, like, you know, there's there's probably things you got to go back to the drawing board and evaluate. And did that did the whole DeMar Hamlin situation help anything? No. I, I do think that there was a level of um, exhaustion, like, within the organization, like, from at all levels. Uh, that was a really ro- roller coaster of emotions to kind of go on. But then you go taking Stephon Diggs' frustration at the end of the year with the way – 
you know, the offense just wasn't operating the same it was early in the season. So there, there's definitely some question marks about how last year kind of unfolded and how they've addressed some of the concerns that maybe Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott had and how they're planning to kind of roll it back here this year. One big change this season is that longtime defensive coordinator Leslie Frazier has moved on, so head coach Sean McDermott back to calling the defense. Were you surprised that Frazier left, and also does McDermott expanding his duties uh, change the scheme, and how's that change his everyday duties? Um, that's a good question. I, I think um, it was a bit of a surprise just because he's been such a – um, constant in this organization since McDermott came over. Uh, McDermott's oftentimes said how important he's been uh, as a veteran experienced coach uh, to have that uh, on your right side for all of these years as he's developed as, himself as a head coach was helpful. Um, but I wonder if the way that the season has ended in the last couple of years really kind of led all parties to the parting of ways. And, you know, they said that Leslie wanted to step away, and it was kind of funny the way that it happened, when it happened. Then it, you know, it uh, comes out that he's like, you know, talking to other teams about coaching, and so yeah, it was it, maybe just best to move in a new direction. Um, McDermott's defense is probably going to be a lot different. Um, I think he's going to be more aggressive. I think that he, you know, he's a very competitive guy, whereas Leslie was more of like a methodical calm, cool, collected, never too high, never too low. McDermott's fiery on the sideline, and he's reactive in a lot of ways. Ron Rivera said when he was the defensive coordinator in Carolina, I mean, he's, a, he's as aggressive as it, as it gets. So I think from a blitzing perspective, from a way that maybe he tweaks uh, his defense, the way that he plays their zone scheme, uh, I think they're going to move some things around and try to be a little more creative. Last year was year one of Ken Dorsey replacing Brian Dable as the offensive coordinator. How about a uh, Dorsey report card from 2022, and what might he try to improve upon in 2023? Yeah, I mean, I probably give him a B for for year one. I mean, it's it's hard to give him too low of a mark because his offense is still one of the best in the league. I mean, they were the number two scoring offense in the NFL. At, at top five, six passing game. The run game is always good because Josh Allen uh, is a part of it. Uh, but I think they did a lot of th- good things, and they didn't like really take a step back without Brian Dable. Now, you know, I think there's a lot that goes into becoming a, an offensive coordinator, learning your personnel, and then also how to pivot when philosoph- philosophically, you know, you struggle at times. Like, what what else do you have in your tool chest to kind of bring out when defenses are taking things away. And I mentioned Stephon Diggs' frustration. The way that teams took him out of the, the game, and you know, and he felt that that, that was a, to the team's detriment, especially in the end against Cincinnati, when there was nobody else that was able to step up. The year before in the, in the Kansas City game, that was Gabe Davis's coming out party, right? The four-touchdown right. game, yeah. and everybody was like, wow, this is going to be huge. Um then that never really materialized. He was banged up all last year. But, you know, I think Dorsey has a better foundational understanding of what he has to do. He learned a lot from last season. I would imagine he's much more in lockstep with his coaching staff. Um, and, and they're hoping that's going to yield big results this year. 
Josh Allen, his turnovers increased last season. 14 picks, lost six fumbles. How much uh, was Allen trying to do too much, maybe even having to do too much? Uh, and also the elbow injury that he suffered in early November, You know, how much of a role did that play? Played a, played a pretty big role, I think. He downplayed it. He still downplays it. But there was a a stretching routine that he that he adopted after the injury that pretty exhaustive. I mean, like 10, 15 minutes in, in pregame warm-ups. He was doing practice every day. He still does that um, to this day. So that's something that, you know, I, I'm not sitting here saying that it's still affecting him. I mean, the way that he's thrown it in training camp and preseason, I mean, the, the arm's all good. Uh, but I think it affected, especially that short area uh, where he struggled with early in his career, you know, made some really good strides with it, and then that seemed to take a little bit of a dip after the injury. Um, I'm not too concerned about the turnovers. Um, 14, like in that 8 to 14 interception range, you're always going to live in that world with Josh Allen because of the arm. Uh, he make, he tries a lot of throws that most quarterbacks wouldn't even attempt, and, and he makes a lot of them. Um, with that, you're going to have some turnovers. And then they're going to try to run him less or, or take better care of his body. And that comes down to him, too. I mean, he's got to make better decisions when the ball's in his hands running with it. Uh, and so I think that could maybe bring down the number of fumbles if he's not putting himself in so many situations where, you know, there's danger. Um, but, yeah, I think Josh Allen will be fine. Okay, you mentioned Steph Diggs, not, not always a happy camper. Uh, is this just part of the package that the Bills need to accept? I mean, there are some wide receivers that have been you know, thrown into the diva category. So how do we you know, break that down? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'd call him a diva, but I um, there's definitely like a a level of frustration that grows, and I think part of that is just he is ultra competitive, um, and for good reason. I mean, they have everything. Like that's been the quote to me from this off season that stuck out stuck out the most of, from Diggs was when he said, "Listen." We have everything. We have the coaches. We have the players. We have the quarterback. Like, when you have all of those things and you you continue kind of banging your head against the wall, and when he got here his first year, they went to the AFC title game. Second year, they, they go out and won one of the greatest playoff games ever against KC in the divisional round, and then they lose at home in the divisional round the next year. So it almost feels like, I would imagine to him, step back after step back after step back, you know, I'm sure that in a perfect world they never admit it, but the Bills would love it if he handled it things a little bit differently uh, at times. But he's a very emotional person, very emotional player, and I think that's part of what makes him great. They're all on the same page right now. Uh, will they stay that way throughout the season? I think a lot of that will depend on you know how much success they're able to have. Okay, I'm hearing lots about James Cook and uh, rookie tight end Dalton Kincaid. How are they going to fit in? Uh, I think I've, I've talked a lot about the drafted Kincaid. It's a very important piece to what they do that's been lost since they lost Cole Beasley. That's a lot. Um, you know, they're going to do it a little bit differently. Like, I don't know if it if Kincaid's as sudden, but he's explosive and he's super – he's got great feet. Uh, so that part of the offense is going to be great. But I think Cook is another level of scary potential for defenses because when he's on the field – you don't know what he's going to do. I mean, you can he, he can he can line up out wide. He can line up in the slot. He can line up as a fullback. He can be in motion. They can run gadget plays with him. Or he can just run it 
like a traditional back. Yeah, I think he's got crazy upside. It's why, you know, I got Bills fans in my DMs and texting me. Uh, <laughs> what what about Jonathan Taylor? Should the Bills go out? No, 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 no. James Cook is a guy that they're super high on, and he doesn't have a lot of touches. Between college and the pros, he's got 320-some-odd carries. I mean, he is as fresh as it comes uh, in the NFL, and you've got him for three more years on, on that rookie contract. They brought in Damian Harris. They brought in Latavius Murray for those tough physical matchups when you want to grind it out in between the tackles. But I think James Cook has the potential to be a real fun weapon for this offense. Okay, so we've talked about all the flashy, skilled position players here. Uh, The offensive line uh, has not been physical enough in some of these losses the last couple of years. Uh, They've had some offensive line injuries the last couple of weeks. So what's the state of the offensive line and – yeah, what are the expectations of that group this season? Yeah, they lost a uh, backup tackle for the season in Tommy Doyle. Tough situation. Uh, he had a torn ACL last year, rehabbed all the way back, and you know something pretty bad happened to his other knee on uh, the preseason game the other day. But again, that's a you know, he's kind of more of a depth guy. Um, I, I, I'd probably call him like a fourth or fifth tackle. So it's not a massive, massive loss. It doesn't change a lot, but there's just less bodies now behind Spencer Brown and Deion Dawkins, and to be honest with you, I don't think either of them played very well against Pittsburgh a couple days ago, uh, but they're the best of what they got, and I think they got to get back to playing at a level. Like in, in Brown's rookie 21, he really started to come on late in the year in Brandon Bean's eyes. Um, I, didn't, I, I, I don't know if I agree totally with that, but that's the assessment of the general manager. And Deion Dawkins, for the last 10 games, including that KC playoff game, is the best football of his career. Uh, he took a, a, a pretty large step back last year. And if the tackles are going to be a problem still, you know, that's a huge concern for a team that, listen, it's great to have a Josh Allen who can, you know, make something out of nothing when you know teams are rushing and trying to get after him. But, listen, he needs to be protected, especially on the edge going against some of the elite edge rushers that they'll face on this schedule. So it's a concern. They didn't do a lot to address the position. They're, they basically stood pat with Spencer Brown and Deion Dawkins. No competition for the third-year tackle. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. Talking Bills with Matt Perino. Let's flip this to the defense. Von Miller went down with a knee injury last November. What's his current status? And uh, how much does the 2023 defense depend on his status? I mean, it definitely depends on his his status and him getting back to some level that he played at last year. I mean, he's an elite pass rusher, and they need that. Um, they're going through uh, identity change as a defense. They were, they're without Tremaine Edmonds. I mean, they drafted him in 18 yeah. along with Josh Allen, and he's now in Chicago, and they found no answer at middle linebacker so far throughout the summer. Uh, they're still uh, – that, that position battle is ongoing. It hasn't been good from anybody there. And so if, you, if your front is not what you're hoping it to be, I mean, you're going to probably be exposed quite a bit at the second level despite having one of the best linebackers in the league in Matt Milano. So um, they need him back. We'll see. Uh, I'm anticipating he'll start the year on pop, which will count. Uh, will cost him at least the first four games. Uh, but I think that week six spot is something that he mentioned a few months ago. is kind of a sweet spot where I think they might be expecting him back. I was going to get to Edmonds, so you already covered that. So let's get to the secondary uh, presumably, uh, presumably a healthy stud corner now with Trey White and also Jordan Poyer uh, to some extent. Uh, surprisingly, was re-signed 
How do you break down the secondary? It's interesting. It's a it's a it's a good group considering you got three all pros back there, but it's an aging group. I mean, Boyer and Micah Hyde are you know on the on the wrong side of thirty. Um, I thought um, you know if you get into this season and they either or both have lost a step, I mean it's it's concerning. And because for so long they were this group back there that scared quarterbacks and offensive coordinators. I mean, Bill Belichick had talked about it for years, even when Tom Brady was there. When Mike and Jordan showed up, teams just didn't want to attack them at that at that third level. Uh, now, if there's any type of drop off, that could be a dangerous spot because they don't have a cornerback too yet. They drafted Kyer Elam in the first round last year. He's still not been able to secure that starting job. Dane Jackson's probably the favorite at this point. Christian Benford, the sixth rounder last year, is still fighting for it. And you hope Trey White is the Trey White of old, and he's looked like it at times this summer. But that's not a guarantee yet. Coming like ACL sometimes change a lot of things for guys. So um, we will see if it is if every player is a version of them that we remember. It's going to be a really good secondary, but question mark. All right, the special teams. How do you evaluate that group, and how difficult uh, do you think it's going to be to replace Naheem Hines, who's out for the season after a non-football injury in the off season? Well, what's funny is they went out and they signed one of the most uh, electric punt returners of the last couple of years in Deontay Hardy, uh, formerly known as Deontay Harris, from New Orleans. He just missed all of last season. But he was, I think he was an all-pro as a returner Mm -hmm. in 2021. And they're excited about what that can mean. Uh, Because I think Naheem Hines, they had bigger plans for him in the offense this year, might have even taken that off of his plate. So... I think that they're set at returner. Um, I think the kickoff rules kind of change things anyway. Like our team's going to be downing it in the in the regular season. We will wait and see. Uh, but special teams, they're always pretty good there um, outside of that 13-second uh, situation a couple years ago. All right. Lastly, the Bills' consensus win total uh, for the season is 10.5. So the Bills over under 10.5 regular season wins. And do they uh, get over the uh, postseason hump and reach the Super Bowl next February? Oh, man, that's, uh, that's a lot you're putting on my, my plate right there. Um, <laughs> I think over 10.5 wins, um, I, I just think that Sean McDermott, his track record shows that he gets, you know, uh, finds a way in the regular season win game. I mean, going back to when they snuck into the playoffs in 17, it, Unless something super goes wrong injury-wise or if maybe there really is uh, some type of dissension in the organization that some have tried to paint that picture this offseason, like maybe that materializes and we see a little bit more of that. But right now, I just think that they there's urgency. Um, and they get to play this role of underdog. Nobody believes in them now because Aaron Rodgers in the division, Miami's going to be really good. You got Baltimore improving. The AFC is uh, is really just an absolute loaded conference. And so, um, do they go back to the Super Bowl? I don't know. I don't think I'm comfortable predicting that, seeing how the playoffs have gone the last couple of years. But if you ask me if they have enough talent to do it and the players to do it, I'd say yes. Matt, why don't you let everybody know how they can get a hold of your stuff? Yep, I'm at, at Matt Perino, uh, P-A-R-R-I-N-O on Twitter. That's the best spot. All right, Matt, good stuff. I'm sure we'll be talking during the season. Thanks a lot. Sounds good. Take care.
Matt Perino of nyup.com. And as far as some schedule analysis, uh, the teams we previewed, and we've gone through you know, pretty much, uh, I think it's team 25, uh, 26 at this point. Uh, the first you know, nine weeks are, I think, sort of nondescript. I mean, obviously there's some you know, interesting matchups and so forth. But, you know, they have uh, they got to make some hay, I think, in the first nine weeks of the season. If Von Miller is on the pup list, that, it's not going to help their chances of doing that. The reason I think they need to get off to a good start here in the first half is they have a brutal eight-week stretch starting on November the 19th. Home against the Jets, at Philadelphia, and then a bye week and at Kansas City. So they play Philadelphia and Kansas City in consecutive weeks. Then Dallas at home in Buffalo, at the Chargers, New England at home, and then at Miami. That's their last eight weeks of the season, including that bye. So I think they need to get off to a good start to the season because of that, and uh, we'll see if they're able to pull that off. All right, next segment, it is phone call time, 602-260-1060. Also today's local roundup. That'll include some Diamondbacks and Rangers analysis from Tuesday night. We'll wrap up the hour, of course, with the National Roundup, some MLB from last night. And then don't forget, it's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla from 10 to noon. That is uh, coming up, so stay tuned for that. You are listening to the Sports Zone right now uh, from 9 to 10 on KDUSA M1060 and KSLX HD2 100.7. caddy ray adams takes you beyond the 18th hole on saturday mornings with great american golf from 6 to 7 a.m on kdus am 1060 it's time for today's local roundup welcome back to the sports zone with bob kemp on kdus am 1060 and kiss lux hd2 100.7 in addition to the local roundup it is phone call time to the kdus hotline at 602-260-1060 if you want to jump aboard, feel free to interrupt in this segment. No problem. 602-260-1060. On to the local roundup we go. The Diamondbacks finished a two-game sweep of the first-place Rangers last night. The Diamondbacks, after losing nine straight, have now won four games in a row, nine out of 11 overall, four consecutive series. They're back to five games above 500. they They're now tied for the last wild card spot in the uh, National League. Uh, by the way, Texas has had before these last two days had not lost more than four consecutive games at any point this season. Last night it was Zach Gallen. He improved to 14 and five in the season. That's tied for most uh, most wins in the National League, and also second for the most wins in Major League Baseball this season. Lowered his earned run average to 3.11. At the plate, Corbin Carroll and uh, Gabriel Moreno each had two hits. Uh, statistically speaking, Tommy Pham, a one-for-four night, and he extended his hitting streak to 13 games. Over that span, Pham is hitting 296. 13-game hitting streak, 16 hits, so it's not like he's getting you know, multiple hits in many of these games, but still 296 over this span. 
Five doubles, a triple, three homers, 13 runs batted in. So it's been a productive 13-game hitting streak with 13 runs batted in. Also a couple of walks. And, uh, you know, that's uh, the second longest. I'm sorry. Yeah, the second longest uh, hitting streak of his career. He has a 17-game streak uh, with the uh, Tampa Bay Rays back in 2018. Up next for the Diamondbacks, they're off today before uh, they start a four-game home series on Thursday night against fellow wildcard contender Cincinnati. Cincinnati won last night at Anaheim, and uh, the Reds play a doubleheader today uh, against the uh, Angels in Los Angeles, or in Anaheim to be you know geographically and technically correct. Uh, so that's a good thing for the Diamondbacks. They have today off. They can... Uh, reload their pitching staff, and that's important because uh, Torrey Lavelle used seven pitchers in the Monday night 11-inning victory. Uh, they had a you know bullpen game to start with, and then the game went 11 innings. Uh, and last night they used six pitchers, including four pitchers, who actually have now pitched two consecutive games. So good time for a day off. I'm, I'm sure that he would not have uh, – you know, loaded up on all those guys pitching consecutive days last night had he, you know, had they not had the day off today. Also, as far as, uh, you know, the around the NL West, the Dodgers actually lost a game. And they lost it to Noah Syndergaard, uh, who was the starting pitcher for the Guardians yesterday. Uh, it was also Valley product Cole Calhoun, now playing with Cleveland, uh, hit a three-run homer to tap a uh, to cap, excuse me, a five-run seventh inning. Cleveland uh, rallied. They were behind early in this game. They won eight to three against the Dodgers yesterday. Uh, the Dodgers lost for just the third time this month. Colt Calhoun was actually acquired from the Dodgers organization in a trade earlier this month by the Guardians. Uh, he connected off of relief pitcher Caleb Ferguson. And the Guardians uh, came from behind against baseball's hottest team. Uh, Syndergaard, of course, he was also traded by the Dodgers to Cleveland. That was on July 26th for Ahmad Rosario. Syndergaard allowed three uh, runs and four hits and pitched six innings yesterday. Even with the loss, the Dodgers are 17-3 and in the month of August. They are 25-10 and since the All-Star break. They also finally made the move to put J.D. Martinez on the injured list. We've been talking about this off and on for almost three weeks. But they finally put him on the injured list yesterday. Growing tightness. Uh, you know, he was obviously an all-star this year for the Dodgers. He's been a really good player in the past, including here for the Diamondbacks in a magical season a few years ago. Um, he recently received an inject injection for a back issue. So he's had all kinds of problems here of late, as I mentioned. Uh, you know, it seemed like three weeks ago, but at least two weeks ago, that they should have put him on the injured list then. But now he's going to be out for a while. He's going to be actually no baseball activities for J.D. Martinez for at least a week. So today, <clears throat> excuse me, in Cleveland, it is Clayton Kershaw, 11-4, and four, with a 248 on run average. He's making his fourth career start against Cleveland. And you go against, uh, you know, basically, it's kind of a bullpen game. Curry is pitching for the uh, for the Guardians tonight. He was been a bullpen guy for most of the year. He actually threw six innings last week, though, against the Detroit Tigers. Meanwhile, the Giants lost again last night in walk-off fashion. They're now behind the Diamondbacks as far as the standings go. 
Trey Turner, a two-run single in the ninth inning off of uh, Giants closer Camilio Duvall, went off his glove and went into center field. The Phillies went 4-3 to three against the Giants. Philadelphia increased its lead to four games over San Francisco in the wild-card race. Meanwhile, the Giants have now lost 12 out of 16 games, and uh, you know, they fell behind uh, the, uh, the Cubs and the Diamondbacks in that wild-card race. Kyle Harrison... Talked about him on Monday and Tuesday. San Francisco's top pitching prospect, uh, ranked among the uh, best uh, pitching prospects in the sport, uh, made his major league debut. He doesn't pitch deep into games, even in the minor leagues. He pitched three and a third innings yesterday in his major league debut. Woods okay, allowed five, uh, gave up five hits, only a couple earned runs uh, through 65 pitches, though. Yeah, to get 10 outs, and uh, he was out of the game somewhat quickly, but not unexpected because he didn't pitch more than five innings in any minor league start this season. Series finale today, Michael Lorenzen, uh, who, of course, was great his first two starts with the uh, with the uh, Phillies after the trade deadline, and once they acquired him, and then pitched a no-hitter in that, in fact, that second game, but he got clobbered in his last start. So Lorenzen pitches today against Alex Cobb, who is one of the two starting pitchers still standing at this point uh, for the San Francisco Giants. That is today. So back to the wild card standings we go. Uh, Philadelphia, which is actually I mentioned yeah, the last couple of days, playing some pretty good baseball here of late. They seem to have gotten their, they've gotten healthier in the pitching staff, and some of their uh, you know, pitchers have you know, been more effective here lately that uh, have been healthy. So the, the Phillies uh, now have a three-and-a-half game lead in the wild card race. Uh, the Cubs, you know, the Phillies have 67 losses. The Cubs have 60. Arizona and San Francisco at 61 losses. The Diamondbacks have actually played two more games than the Giants at this point of the season. And uh, Cincinnati, which is in here tomorrow, and the Giants are both sitting at 65 and 61. Florida, which won last night at San Diego, sitting at 65 and 62. All right, also in today's local roundup, in case you missed today's pipeline, it is not news that first-year Cardinals head coach Jonathan Gannon is refusing to name Colt McCoy as the week one starter at Washington. McCoy is going to be the starter unless he's injured this week in the joint practices or the game at Minnesota. It is crazy to think that Clayton Toon gives the Cardinals a better chance to win in week one at Washington. Washington had one of the top defenses in many areas last season, and you can make a case that personnel-wise that Washington's defense should be better this season than it was a year ago. All right, coming up next, we'll have a news update with Corey. That'll be followed by the conclusion of today's show. With the National Roundup, that'll include from the MLB scoreboard. Also, don't forget... From 10 to noon, it is the Extra Point, hosted by Kayla. So stay tuned for that. We'll have more phone call time at that uh, during that uh, two-hour block. So 602-260-1060. Also, I'm sure we'll get to uh, some more on uh, the uh, Diamondbacks from last night and uh, and uh, whatever else is going on in the world of sports that, uh, that Kayla wants to cover. And uh, I'll follow along the best I can. You're listening to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD 2 100.7.
We'll do what's best for the team, and we'll do what's best for you. The Rich Eisen Show, coming to you weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back. Final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Kiss Lux HD 2 100.7. And from the MLB scoreboard, the uh, Blue Jays beat the Orioles. And for that, uh, for them to do that this year, it's been rare. Uh, Brandon Belt homered off of uh, Mike Bauman, uh, his first pitch in the 10th inning. And uh, Dalton Varsho, uh, who's actually been pretty good here lately. Awful season, but pretty good lately. Uh, Varsho, a two-run homer. Uh, and the uh, Blue Jays defeated the Orioles last night at Camden Yards 6-3 in 10 innings. The loss ended the Orioles' three-game winning streak, cut their lead in the AL East over the second-place Tampa Bay Rays to two games. The Orioles also had plenty of chances to win this game before it went to 10 innings. They stranded 10 runners. They were 2-for-14 with runners in scoring position. They've been very good with runners in scoring position for the majority of the season, but not last night. Meanwhile, the Blue Jays have now won five out of seven. They've hit seven home runs in their last two games. Today it's Kevin Gosman, former Oriole. In fact, he you know, was drafted by the Orioles, came up in their system. It was somewhat disappointing while with the Orioles, uh, but he's been very good for uh, you know San Francisco, actually even the Reds for like a year. Uh, the uh, Reds, San Francisco, and uh, Toronto, he's been better since he left, obviously, the Orioles are doing fine now. And uh, Jack Flaherty uh, makes his next start today for the Orioles. Uh, his third, I believe it is, since the trade deadline. One of those was a loss at Toronto where he actually didn't pitch badly. He just had some really, really bad things happen to him. Uh, but he was okay there. Uh, but he was terrible in his last start. He got clobbered, gave up a grand slam in the first inning, and uh, the Orioles lost at San Diego. Meanwhile, the Astros, uh, they've won the first two of their seven games in two weeks against the Red Sox. Uh, the Astros win last night with Kyle Tucker, hit a two-run homer. Justin Verlander was dominant through six uh, shutout innings and helped the Astros beat the, the, the Red Sox last night 7-3. Verlander, uh, you know, three hits, struck out a season-high nine in his four start since returning to the Astros in the after the trade from the Mets. Bad news possibly for the Astros. It doesn't seem to be bad, but you know, we've gotten some misinformation from the Astros about their injuries this year. Jordan Alvarez, uh, he's out. Uh, he didn't he actually slammed his hand in a door at home, uh, injured his left index finger. Wasn't available last night. Dusty Baker said it wasn't serious, but you know, Alvarez missed like 50 games earlier this season. Not exaggerating there, 50 some games with as much, you know, obviously a baseball injury. And we heard from Dusty for weeks that he was going to be back, or the you know, Alvarez would be back soon. And he wasn't, and he wasn't, and he wasn't. And then all of a sudden, one day, he just popped up. Also, Baker said that Jose Abreu. Uh, doing much better, and uh, he could come off the injured list before the homestand ends, and that homestand ends tomorrow, so that's pretty short period of time there. We'll see if that is an accurate injury prognosis from Baker. Meanwhile, uh, today's the final game in this series. I sec- no, I'm sorry, they play tomorrow too. Four games in Houston and then three games in Boston next week. 
Today it's Chris Sale, who got blasted in his last start against Jose Urquidy, who is coming back from the injury. And I believe this is his third or fourth start since he came back from the injury earlier this season. All right, I was 25 years old the last time the Yankees, before last night, had lost nine consecutive games. 1982, a really long time. Tommy Canely last night gave up the go-ahead homer to C.J. Abrams with two outs in the eighth inning. And the Nationals win 2-1 to one at Yankee Stadium. The Yankees are winless since they beat the Marlins on August the 11th in Miami. The Yankees are on a nine-game losing streak. That's the longest since September 13th through 20, uh, the 21st of 1982. Also, uh, they're, uh, you know, they just, they've been pretty much bad any way you can possibly bad be bad. They've been outscored 53 to 20 during this losing streak. And, uh, you know, they've uh, actually that's it. Actually, they've been outscored 59, 53 to 20 since uh, the second inning of their loss on August the 13th at Atlanta. It's just been a total disaster for the Yankees at this point. And there is zero reason to think it's going to get any better. All right, that's it for the Sports Zone for today. Stay tuned. The Extra Point with Kalen coming up next uh, from 10 to noon. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thanks for listening.